Welcome to the Storyform podcast. Storyformed is here to celebrate the soul-forming power of imagination, good books, and beauty in the life of your child. Hello, everyone. I'm Holly Packiam, and I'm here today again with my friend Jamie Showmaker. Hello. Um, you may already know this, but if you have, if you're just starting to follow us uh, here at Storyformed, we are relaunching. We just relaunched the Storyformed website, so please go and check it out if you haven't already. Our website is www.storyformed.com. And Jamie and I will be posting regular articles, book reviews, and doing a podcast. And so please keep checking us out and, and looking for the things that we're going to be bringing your way. And just as a heads up for the future, occasionally we'll still get to hear from Sarah Clarkson. She's living in Oxford, as many of you know. And so just depending on her time and space, um, we'll connect with her as much as we can, probably this later this summer. And then we'll also be doing interviews from others who have a similar story form vision um, from time to time as well. So, well, Jamie, it's so good to be with you, you again on the podcast. It's good to be with you too, Holly. I'm so excited. Yes. Um, so I know Jamie and I touched base briefly before this, and she and you got to go to the beach this weekend. I did. My wonderful husband sent me away for a relaxing weekend with my best friend. So I spent the weekend with my toes in the sand and smelling the salty breeze, and it was absolutely wonderful. Except I did get a little bit sunburned. <laughs> so. Oh. <laughs> yes, I spent too much time reading and not paying enough attention, I think, um, <laughs> and trying a new sunscreen that apparently was not um, not a good one this time. Oh, so. no. Well, yes. reading is good. Sunburn. Yeah, not, not, not so fun. good. Yes. <laughs> not so oh. good. Well, yes. Did it seem relaxing? It was hmm. wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I'm so blessed with a husband who um, allows me little chances to get away and just refill my tank as a mom. And, you know, I'm home with the boys, homeschooling them. And um, every so often I need that time. And um, so it, it was a wonderful weekend. How was oh, your weekend? So it was yeah, I mean, you had a big weekend this weekend, a birthday weekend. Yes, it was so <laughs> fun. Yeah, my birthday was this weekend, and we do a little, a traditional birthday breakfast for who's, whether it's my husband or I or our kids. And so now that my older girls are getting more involved in, in wanting to bake and food prep and all of that, they're really loving helping to cook and prepare, prepare all that's involved in dick, dick. Um, decorations and balloons and I have one daughter who's super into all the artistic part of it so that's really fun and then we had a had a dinner and one of our little traditions is we always go around at our family dinner and whose ever birthday it is everybody goes around and just says something that they're really grateful for for that person so that's that's really nice yeah that's special and then I don't know how it is for you but it like it seems like there's always there can't just be one birthday celebration, which if it's, if I'm the recipient, I guess that's okay. <laughs> if it's my kids, it's like, oh, three parties. But, you know, you've got family and friends. And so I, but I was very fortunate to have some friends to celebrate with as well. And I went out to get a little pedicure, which is not something I normally get to do, and a little shopping. And so anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's was, wonderful. Yeah, it was really fun and rejuvenating. So I guess we both got a little bit of that this weekend. Yes. <laughs> So we're nice and refreshed. I know for so many people, it's kind of a crazy time of year with just a lot going on or wrapping things up. Do you have that, Jamie, with your kids? We do. Yeah. We do. I mean, we we school year round, Mm -hmm. so we don't have that much end of the year schooling kind of things. But, you know, activities are coming to an end and summer things are starting up. And so it's definitely a a busy time of year for us. What about you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of similar. My son is a soccer player. So we're kind of in the midst of weekend games for him. And he, he absolutely loves it. And it's fun to be a part. And then my girls are Gonna, about to do a dance recital, so we're preparing to to watch them, and it's been a year of preparation towards this. So yeah, we're we're definitely wrapping things up, but I'm looking forward to a bit more space in our schedule, especially yes. to read. I always think summer is for more reading and more nature, getting outside Absolutely. and exploring. 
So yes, definitely, definitely. We need to talk about some of that too later. Definitely. In later yes. podcasts, maybe we can we can talk about some summer things. Yeah, definitely coming yes. up. So that'll be coming up for sure. Um, well, today we wanted to kind of dive into a topic about illustrations. I'm Jamie had this idea of talking about, you know, why do they actually matter? Or could we just read our kids stories with and just, you know, hear the words and the narrative and um, do they really matter? Do they add or so we just want to have a conversation about all of that. Um, Jamie, what are some of your initial thoughts about it? Oh, I have so many thoughts. This is one of my favorite topics. I love talking about illustrations, so you're probably going to have to stop me talking about it. Um, I definitely think that illustrations matter. I think it's one of the more important things in forming um, the affections of our children. I think there are there are practical reasons and there are deeper theological reasons that I think illustrations matter. So I was hoping we could talk about some both of those today. Yes, definitely. Yes. Yeah, I love that you're bringing up kind of both of those things they yeah I think they they foster such an appreciation for beauty and that is that is a God-given desire and longing and he created this beautiful world for us to see and and I think he gave um, inspiration to artists to help us to see that whether it's you know picture books or great um, works of art but it's a way that we can connect to him I think sometimes we can think oh, that's not something godly or that's an end in itself to just enjoy that. But I've had so many experiences where I've, I've thought and, you know, showing my kids these beautiful illustrations or seeing things myself where I felt um, just a sense of, of the Lord and all of that. So I yes, definitely absolutely. connect to what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. I think so. I mean, I think, um, well, I mean, we can talk about some of the practical things too, because I know people want to know like practically why, why, how do illustrations help our kids, you know, educationally and that kind of thing? I know um, that's really important as well. So we can we can talk about that. But I really get passionate when we talk about some of the the ways that beauty connects us to the Lord. I think that that's a a really important thing for people to understand and acknowledge. So, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was just. <laughs> it's okay. No, I mean. When you think about pictures and illustrations of books, that's really the first thing that engages our children in books and reading to begin with. I mean, think about even a a child who can't talk yet, an infant or a toddler, they will sit in your lap and with a book and they'll look at the pictures while you read to them. And that's what you know, introduces them to the idea of books and story and that kind of thing. It's what captivates them. And, um, you know, toddlers and preschoolers will do the same thing. They will, they'll read a book with illustrations long before they're able to even read the corresponding words on the page. I mean, how many of us have had, you know, a a small child who will open up the book and tell the story um, as they Mm -hmm. interpret it from the illustrations, you know, and that really does um, teach them to begin to fall in love with books and, and they begin to understand how books can transport them to these new and exciting worlds because of the pictures in the books. Um, yes. And so I think just the, just the way that illustrations engage children with books at the initially is, is so important. And so filling our children their lives with these wonderfully illustrated books um, is going to set them down the path of reading and falling in love with books to begin with. So, mm-hmm. I mean, even if you're just interested in literacy <laughs> as, right. as end, um, that's the way to b- begin to get them involved is through picture books and the illustrations. Um, mm-hmm. Not that that's the most important thing, but right. um, it is. it does begin to engage them. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I was thinking when you're saying that, I'm thinking about um, moms who might have reluctant readers or, you know, if, if they're really struggling in their, whether it, you know, journey to actually be able to read themselves or maybe for whatever reasons, they're not as keen as some of your other children to even want to listen or, uh, just, you might have, you know, kids who are voracious readers and others who are just like, I can't figure out what the key to getting them more interested in reading. And, and I've had one kind of on that journey a little bit, but I've noticed she specifically will really be drawn in um, by those illustrations and pictures. So even if I'm, if she's not reading it, if I'm reading it aloud that, and she's seeing those pictures, I can just see a higher level of engagement and interest. So yes. it's just a little, a little way that you might be able to connect, you know, with, with uh, maybe it's a child who just is more visual than someone who's an auditory 
primarily an auditory learner. So absolutely. And, you know, they help these emergent readers to understand the context of the story and the narrative structure, you know, in a way that they might not understand um, in the beginning, you know, it, it kind of, they'll provide clues as to what's happening in the story and they help to kind of affirm that they're comprehending what they're reading, especially as they're learning to to read aloud and to read to themselves. Um, You know, sometimes they're unsure. And so the pictures can kind of help affirm that they are, they're really getting it, that they're reading it correctly, Mm -hmm. that they're comprehending what they're reading. And um, they help with vocabulary as well. You know, a child can encounter an unfamiliar word, but they're able to intuit the meaning of the word through the illustration. And then they have a visual picture in their mind going forward of what that word means, like kind of like a mental peg on which they can now hang that new word forever because they, they remember that illustration that they saw in the picture. And um, so I think there are so many ways that picture books can help um, new readers and reluctant readers and even readers who I still enjoy a picture book. I'm going to be honest. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I yes. Really do. Um, I still enjoy picture books. So. Definitely. I, we kind of talked about this in the last podcast a little bit, but um, I think we both shared, you know, not having read a lot of the books we're reading to our kids. And so I, I will feel really um, sometimes even emotional about how connected I feel or, you know, inspired or just feeling the feelings of the character. But I think the illustrations have so much to enhance that experience. And I'll be having the same response as my kids, partly because I had never experienced that before. But right. but I get to now. And so it's it's really fun and wonderful. Yes, um, I completely agree. Um, just going back for a second, you talked about a little bit ago about uh, some of the wordless uh, books. And yes. I have to admit, when I was thinking about this, I thought, oh, I have to confess that so many times we've gotten them and I have a really hard time pushing through. And so, <laughs> and so I really want to grow in that way, to be honest, because I well, And so, OK, one specific board book that many of you might be familiar with, um, you know, there's this there's this handful of board books that probably many families have. But one is called Goodnight Gorilla. I knew and, I knew that's what you were going to yeah. say. <laughs> And we read that. Yeah. Well, but there's no reading, but I, so I couldn't right. handle the fact that there was no words. <laughs> and so I made up my story, basically the same, just, I was like, okay, I don't have to add too many words, but I'm going to have a simple story. And I just read that, my own story to that. And they absolutely loved that book, but I, it was not because of my story. It was because of the pictures, but it was my own inability to just soak up the pictures. But I really want to grow in that. And my kids will hand me those books that they've picked up and I kind of, a little bit right. of like uh, drudgery inside of me like but anyway I think there's something to be said about just reflecting and sitting in silence and just letting the picture speak for itself right, right? I agree with that I, I I laugh because I had my own experience with Goodnight Gorilla that was also one of my boy's favorite books yes. and my oldest son he's he's a classic firstborn mm-hmm. and he likes things to be very ordered and exactly the way that they're supposed to be and follow the rules. And so the very first time I read that book to him, he was, he was really small and I made up the story along with the pictures. And then the next night he wanted to read it again and I started reading it and he wanted me to tell the exact same story right? <laughs> in the exact same words. And I didn't know what I had said the night before <laughs> because I had just made it up as I went along. And so I had to come up with a story, like a script mm-hmm. to go with Goodnight Gorilla so that when I read it to Will, it was the same every single time. <laughs> and so even to this day, I still have my own little script to Goodnight Gorilla because of that instance where he wanted me to to read it exactly the same over and over and over again. Yeah, so. I guess this must be a common story then. <laughs> you know, he grew out of it though. He he, he got to where he loved picture. That was one of their favorite things are the the um, wordless books. Mm-hmm. One of their favorites. Have you? Do you know Chalk by Bill Thompson? I don't know that one. No. That one? Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautifully illustrated. It's very it has very realistic pictures. Like it almost looks like a, a photograph of these children, and um, they are these children are in a park and they discover some chalk hanging in a bag. And so they get out and they start drawing with the chalk and whatever they draw comes to life and oh, wow. you know, it becomes real. And one of them draws a dinosaur. 
And so they have to solve the problem of this dinosaur, this T-Rex that has come to life um, with the chalk. And so I won't give away how they how they solve the problem. But the entire book is wordless. And my boys absolutely wow. love that book. Love that wow. book. And you did you make up a story to that one? Um, I think by that point... They, they were, were more older. settled. Okay, and, yeah. And they, well, they were older, and they, I think they like to tell the story of that one. Yeah, they like to talk about neat. what's going on in the pictures of that one because it is so, the illustrations are so engaging in that particular book. They are just riveted um, by this very realistic-looking T-Rex that comes out of the pavement when, when the children draw him. So it's, um yeah, they, I think they told the story of that one every time. And that's one that I still catch all three of them on the floor going through. Um, all oh, three boys love that neat. book. I'll have yes. to check it out. I'm excited. Yes, they love, they love oh, it. They love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. That's really great. Um, you'd mentioned something about kind of some of the things that you know, kids can sort of understand, you know, when reading mm-hmm. or looking at the pictures and kind of enhance. And so a couple other things I thought about were just the setting, like if there's a story that's about, uh, you know, something that they may be able to imagine something, whether it's accurate or not, especially if they're little. But I was thinking about how different, maybe different time period books, like a historical fiction or books set in different cultures, whether it be in different countries or different continents that, the setting can really help them to understand what what that means. Um, like, um, I'm thinking of a book we have called Peacebound Train. Okay. And I'm, it's set in, I'm trying to remember what country. It's set in Asia, and it's in the early 1900s. I believe I could be completely messing this up. Um, Should have looked at it before I started talking about it. <laughs> <It's okay>. but <laughs> people can look it up. We'll, we'll link right. to it in the notes. But um, I just remember the pictures being, you know, really helping me too, as well as understand uh, part of the the landscape of the country and during this time period that they were rode on trains everywhere and just kind of what the basics of life were for survival. And it was during a war time and, you know, things that, but my, was my three-year-old for whatever reason, she just absolutely loved. It's like a really long picture, but a really wordy one, but uh-huh. she really connected to the story and kept wanting me to read it and read it. But I, I just was thinking, trying to think through her eyes and mind a bit that, um, I have to think that those pictures really helped her to understand a bit more because the language was definitely quite a bit over her head. But she really connected to it and wanted me right. to see it. And there's, you know, just thinking about books written about, we've written or read a, a few of children growing up in Africa and seeing, you know, what their landscape is like, what they're eating. And so just give, just seeing those, you know, wonderful illustration really enhances, I think, their ability to connect with the story. Right. I agree with that completely. I think about how, like even just cultural awareness and and mm-hmm. lifestyles that are different than your own. My all of my boys knew and understood what farm life was like yes. from multiple picture books, like um, A Year at Maple Hill Farm by Alice Provenson. I don't know if you know that one, but I've it's just going through the year mm-hmm. uh, at a farm. Mm-hmm. And you know, long before they ever stepped foot on a farm, they had this picture in their mind of what farm life looked like. I mean, even oh goodness. Um, Big Red Barn. <laughs> I don't know if you know that yes, one. Uh-huh. The board books. You yes, know? right. They, yep. they have this picture of, of farm life and, and, and what that looks like because of their exposure to picture books. But she said something just a minute ago that I think is really important and brought back, goes back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, literacy and the age of people, children and adults who read picture books. But one of the things that I think picture books allow for, allows for is, um, a really enhanced vocabulary. Authors of picture right. books can really um, use words that otherwise they wouldn't be able to use because the pictures tell the story as well. And so you're able to um, use language that's above the level, I think, of most children. And I, I love that. I think that we um, write, raise them up instead of talk down to them, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, emerging readers have to read the little leveled readers, you know, things, they're still wonderful, like Frog and Toad and Little Bear and all of these wonderful books. Um, But the vocabulary has to be very simple because, you know, phonetically they have to be able to read it. And so, you know, picture books um, are, can, we can use those as moms to continue to expose them to vocabulary that they ordinarily would not encounter as they're learning to read at those leveled readers and things like that. So I think, um, 
you, you brought that up and I just wanted to, to say, I think that's a really great, um, aspect, a, a benefit of picture books, because a lot of authors do that. They, they are able to, to tell a story in, a, in, in more advanced language because they have the illustrations to support that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. What that makes me think about. So for us, so I grew up on the farm, so my kids had some of those experiences, but a place where we are completely where, where I have never been or my husband has been or my kids would be like the northern um, the east coast and I think about Robert McCloskey who oh, spent yeah. much of his life in Maine and we've I, I need to buy this book, but it's called, he's written many books. He's an author and illustrator, but the mm-hmm. book that we've been reading lately is called Time of Wonder. Yes. Beautiful. And yes. yes. And it, I mean, I, yeah, for me also reading it as an adult, I'm like, oh, I love how he <laughs> describes that. And I, it can, it can make me feel for a minute that I'm stepping into that, onto that coast and, you know, understanding a bit of, of the natural world there. And, um, but yeah, I think I probably love this more than my young daughter who I was reading it to, but in this book, <laughs> he's describing their experiences on the Island and on the coast in Maine. And I think really there's, so there's quite a, a pretty broad vocabulary in it for a children's story, like what we're talking about. And he's using words and trying to help, I'm thinking to help kids understand concepts. Like some of the words in the books are book is porpoise, gull, barnacle, bay, driftwood. But my daughter would have no idea what quite a few of those things are without those amazing illustrations to show you, to give you a picture of what he's talking about, the vivid language. Um, So I think it's, you know, as a, someone reading this and taking it in it's it's helping me it's helping my kids to experience and the world around them and there is in that book there is this sort of sense of magic that the kids Mm -hmm. have about it they're listening to the leaves and like the talking about the stillness that you know that's there or the slamming rain or gentle wind and chopping waves and so anyway just I think McCloskey just has a gift for um helping us as readers stepping into it and just observing those the sharp contrasts even in nature and and this particular book won a Caldecott medal as probably many of the books we're going to talk about but and if for those of you don't know what that is it's um Randolph Caldecott um is who it's who the award was originally named after but it recognizes the preceding year's most distinguished American picture book basically so um yeah so um I think Blueberries for Sale, also written by Robert McCloskey, it, won it a Caldecott yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yes. Um, anyway, that I just, just came to mind connecting with what you're saying. Yes. No, I agree. I, I just absolutely love his pen and ink drawings and his pencil drawings. I mean, everything that he that he illustrates is just, it's riveting. I love it. It's beautiful. Yes. And then, you know, that's another thing about children's books is, speaking of that, like, you know, paying attention to the medium that they use to produce the art, this is our children, this is their first encounter with various forms of artistic expression um, is through picture books, you know, so they're able to um, begin to engage with things like, you know, pen and ink drawings and watercolor and even, you know, some picture books have woodcuts and different things like that. And so it really is sometimes the very first art that children are exposed to. And, you know, I think about, um, Barbara Cooney's folk art in Oxcart Man. Are you familiar with yes, that? Yes, yep, that, that one. Mm-hmm. It's it's beautiful, and it. I mean, just the, the it's it, it, the way that she illustrates it just enhances the the story of this you know farm family, and I think they're in New England, and it's it, the illustrations are very primitive, just kind of like the story is, right. and um, I think it's wonderful. And then I think about. Um, Jan Brett and her illustrations where she uses all of these, um, they're kind of Nordic in their influence and their, what they are projecting. And I, I think, um, you know, paying attention to how our children are exposed to art through children's books is it's important and it should make us a little bit more vigilant in choosing some of the books, making sure that we're choosing excellent illustrations, knowing that they are, this is, the first time that they're going to encounter um, art. I mean, I'm sure some people have art, you know, really nice art on their walls. We don't. We, <laughs> we no, order we from art.com. <laughs> yes. Art.com and we put it in a frame. You know, we, mm-hmm. we do have, you know, that kind of thing. But um, it's really through picture books that they are beginning to, you know, see 
beautiful art for the first time and then also see the different ways in which people create art. And so, you know, we've we've what, um, read books that had like watercolors in them and then painted with our own watercolors and things like mm-hmm. that so that they can try to recreate some of the illustrations. And so yes. that's been fun too, thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talking about the different mediums um, reminds me of a series that my son has loved since he's been really little. He's seven now, but I think from the time he was two or three, he has loved um, this series. It's called Billy and Blaze. Yes, um, by C.W. Anderson, and yes. they're black and white drawings. And so mm-hmm. I was, I thought, I just thought he might be interested in you know horses and the animal part of it. But he, I think, just the uh, Anderson's ability to draw those just a black and white simple drawing. But he was such a great mm-hmm. artist in that medium that it, it drew me in. I think it drew my kids in. And um, I don't know much about him, but I know that just a little bit that I've read about him. Um, it's been said that he was either always riding horses or always drawing them. That's what that's oh, what I he love spent that. his time doing. And so, <laughs> and I, I feel like you can see you can see that in his yes. work that it's he knows he knows horses. It's he knows just, horses. Yeah, it's not right. just something he you know kind of was interested in one time. But I think that comes right. across in his ability and enjoyment in drawing them. Yes. Well, speaking of, you said, you said that they, they draw, it draws you in the story, Mm -hmm. the art draws you in. And I think that is one of the things that I wanted to talk about most is how, how the beauty draws us. And, you know, last, in our last podcast, we talked about, you know, stories as a form of discipleship. And, um, in my last podcast, blog post on story forms, I wrote about how stories actually form affections. And, you know, I talk about how as a mom, it's it's my desire that my children will grow to love what they ought to love and that they will order their affections to love those things that are, are truly worthy of affection and namely yes. the one who is worthy of our affection. And mm-hmm. that is Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that one way we can guide them to do that is, is by exposing them to beauty. And you know, in Philippians 4, Paul admonish, uh, admonishes us to contemplate that which is beautiful. And, you know, there's a reason for that. And that's because you just said it, it draws you in, it draws you into the story. But I think, you know, theologically, it draws us to something greater than the story. Right. And um, I think, you know, the Greeks talked about this. We educate classically. So, you know, I study a lot about the ancient Greeks and that kind of thing. And um, Paul was familiar with this Greek culture. He knew about right. that. And, you know, they talked about this even before Christ came. And and that's because they they it's part of the truth of our humanity and that we are made in the divine image. And, you know, what they believed was this, that beauty is a vehicle through which we encounter the divine. And, and Plato said that beauty awakens eros, which is love or desire, and that works like a gravitational pull to an encounter with the true and the good. Beauty awakens like wonder and longing in us. Mm-hmm. And Paul, of course, knew that Christ was the fulfillment of all that the Greeks had intuitively longed for. And, and the fact that we are made in his image kind of determines the way our affections are formed. And, you know, the Greeks, they had some sense of how, even though they didn't know why, but Paul did. And so he encouraged us to think on those things that are beautiful. And I think that's because he knew that an encounter with beauty awakens in us that longing for the true, or more specifically, the one who is truth. Christ says, I am the truth. And um, so I think an encounter with beauty is, is, it awakens this restlessness in us. Um, and it initiates that pull towards that relationship with Christ. And I, I could go on and on and on. I think about C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he called this encounter with beauty joy. If you've read his autobiography, he talks about these little snippets of encounters where, where stabs he, of joy. Is that what stabs, he calls it? He called it joy. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Where mm-hmm. he would, he would see something and it would, it would, awaken this longing in him for for something he didn't even know what it was as right. a child and mm-hmm. you know as as he grew and he you know grew older he he finally found that that was Christ that he was longing for but it was beauty that awakened this longing in him and one of the things that he said specifically that awakened this kind of joy in his childhood heart were illustrations in a picture book by Arthur Rackham. I don't know if you oh, know him. No, I don't. He, 
did. And he said, looking at those pictures, and I've I've seen uh, several books of his, and they're very, um, it reminds, it's very, very much something that Lewis would love. It's kind of like fairies and these mythical creatures, and they look like they're engaged in all of these wonderful things like feasting and, you know, all of this wonderful, they're beautiful, and they're, they're a little bit Nordic also, which mm-hmm. Lewis also loved. Right. Um, but he said as a child when he saw that, he had this intense longing. And, you know, our children are sponges. And when they gaze on something truly beautiful, they begin to develop an appetite for that which is beautiful and excellent and praiseworthy. And they will seek more and more of that. And that's what Lewis talked about, how he began to seek more and more of those moments of of joy, of beauty, of longing. And it just awakens something in their soul, like like a thirst that cannot be slaked. And of course, you know, we know that that eventually, hopefully, we pray that they will find that it can be slaked when they find the source of living water, which is Christ, you know. But we want to fill their hearts and their minds and their souls with truly beautiful things. And and picture book illustrations are one of those things where we can intentionally form their appetites. And, you know, so that's also kind of a caution against giving them books where the illustrations are profane or base or even just mediocre, mm-hmm. um, because we want to try to teach them to long for that which is beautiful. And so the more we fill them with that, the more it kind of awakens that longing in them. Um, and I, I personally see this as an intentional way to disciple my children is to kind of try to awaken that wonder in them by exposing them to beauty through children's books. Yes, definitely. Can you tell I get excited about that? Yes, I can. No, I love listening to you talk about it. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, it, it makes me, it reminds me of, um, I've thinking, been thinking about Henry Nowen, who mm-hmm. um, he was, a, he's passed away now, but was a priest and uh, a spiritual leader and writer. And he, there's a story about him where he was sitting for days in front of Rembrandt's painting of yes. the prodigal son and how... Um, just kind of in silence and contemplation and in his reflection that he was that 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 painting and that visual uh, was able to give him inspiration to write his book um, called Return of the Prodigal Son. Yes. And so it's reflection, you know, reflections on that story from the Bible. And uh, I'll just read one little thing that that he said about that experience. Um, He said, the true center of Rembrandt's painting is the hands of the father. On them, all light is concentrated. On them, the eyes of the bystanders are focused. In them, mercy becomes flesh. Upon them, forgiveness, reconciliation, and healing come together. And through them, not only the tired son, but also the worn-out father find their rest. Oh, so I love if, that. Yeah. If, and if you haven't, for the listeners who haven't, aren't familiar with that all, I will link to that that painting, too, so you can you can. See what I see. What kind of get more of a glimpse into what into what that means, and and connecting to what you said, Jamie, about just you know putting, uh, helping our children to form their affections, and uh, that we as parents have such a role in that. That you know we we can't control what our children you know what they take out of something, or but we can we have a choice of what sort of feast to put before them, right? To which they're Absolutely. going to be you know how, what they're going to look at, and so obviously as we're talking talking about illustrations are a big part of that. And then I think, I think the illustrations are, you know, that like we've talked about those first things that they're viewing and looking at. And then from there we have the opportunity to, you know, maybe as they get a little bit older, introduce them to beautiful art. Right. And um, we've, taken our kids some to I was probably the crazy mom who took her kids to museums when they were way too little and <laughs> just believing that planting those seeds for yes, you know, shaping I mean, their great. loves yeah and so it was you know I don't know if it, it was a bit crazy but but I was choosing to believe that I was planting seeds even if they didn't you know really completely understand what they were they were taking in and we had the amazing opportunity several years ago I think I think the girls were nine and seven to my husband's a pastor and he travels some um, and gets invited to some conferences. And so he got invited to go to Paris 
Um, I know. And so it was kind of like one of those once in a lifetime sort of things. And they offered for me to go. And so we decided to also take our girls, which a lot of people thought, you're crazy. Why would you take them to Paris with you? Don't you guys want to go and, you know, (laughs) be on your own and just tour around? But I, but, you know, considering what we're talking about, I thought this is a perfect opportunity to expose them to some of the best artists in the world. And um, so, uh, we went to the Louvre and the Musée d'Orsay and some of my favorite painters are the Impressionists. So mm-hmm. um, the D'Orsay is full of Monet and Degas yes. and just, and it was just, I think sometimes I've had this tension of, you know, is this just something that is my interest or that I just love, but then really stepping back and realizing what what you were saying about you know God really has he he desires for us to 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 see what's beautiful and he's right. awakening that wonder in us and that applies to so much of life and I think it's he uses all things in life you know that are good to to speak to us to encourage us to love us to give us inspiration for life yes and so I found myself even feeling emotional looking at the actual, you know, uh, actual Monet painting and seeing the texture mm-hmm. and the size or whether it's small or big or, and it kind of felt like I was just stepping into this world if for just a little bit. Yes. And my kids did not have as much of that experience as I did, but I know that they're getting a taste for it and they're, you know, so. Absolutely. And, and you're filling their minds with it and they may not consciously remember it, mm-hmm. but they know that you're pointing that out to them and that that is beauty and that it's filling their souls, even if they're not conscious of it. And, you know, the more we can fill their, their hearts and their minds and their souls with these images, you know, the more it fills their, I want to fill their imaginative storehouses to overflowing because that then gives them material to work with. You talked about Henry Nouwen. Is that how you say Mm -hmm. his name? I've never known how to say his name. You know, how, how he was, he was contemplating Rembrandt and then that then inspired him to go create Mm -hmm. something of his own. And, you know, I think that's another thing that, that really illustrates how we're made in the divine image. You know, Tolkien called it sub-creation. We're sub-creators. And we exercise that divine image by creating something. And the more that we fill ourselves and our children's hearts and minds with these images of beauty, the more we're going to be inspired to go out and create these images and uh, yes. you know things of our own, whether it's a work of art or a piece of literature or a sculpture or, you know, a building or whatever. Um, it, that comes from inspiration from those things. So I think, you know, even just walking through the Louvre and filling their minds with, with these, these images, I think it, um, it stays with them. Mm -hmm. It gets into their souls. And so I, I don't think they're too young. I think that was a good call. Yeah. Oh, thank you. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Well, we're running out of time. Of course, we always have so much we can say about whatever we, I know, whatever we're talking about. But, um, so let's, Let's throw out some, I'm sure we both have, you know, more, we've, we've been able to throw out title, a few titles, but let's throw out a few more, maybe illustrators who've written quite a few things, or do you have some favorites, Jamie? Oh, yes. I always have favorites. (laughs) (laughs) One of my all-time favorite illustrators is Michael Haig. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He has written so many books, um, on so many different levels, um, um, alpha bears and then oh, he yes. writes, okay uh, I'm like oh, yeah what did he write yes I know for alpha bears. yes <laughs> yeah he's written a bunch those are for really small children mm-hmm. and then um, he has like a book of dragons um, which has you know tales dragon tales for my older son likes that one and then he's even illustrated some things like um, William Bennett's some of William Bennett's books like the book of faith and stuff like that he okay. has a book of fairy tales and there are all kinds of ones we can put some links to some of his um in the podcast um notes for um some of his books because he is one of my all-time favorites in fact I have a problem like even if I have an edition of a book in another um <laughs> <laughs> if I come across a Michael Haig illustrated book, Just like the Velveteen Rabbit, I can't it. tell you oh, how many yeah. Velveteen Rabbits oh. I have. <laughs> but I have to grab it because he he illustrated it. So he's one of my favorites. What about you? Oh, Do you have wonderful. a favorite? Yeah, I think I was, I was thinking through this and I think I would have to say, oh, it's so hard to name my very favorite. But definitely on the top of the list would be Garth Williams. Oh, yes. And yeah, he, <laughs> um, if I, when I start naming these off, if you're listening, you might, you 
like, oh, I didn't realize he he illustrated all these things. At least that's how it was for me when I started connecting all of his books. But I came across him and re- just became more aware of him with the uh, Little House series mm-hmm. by Laura Ingalls Wilder. And so just having that picture of Laura's sweet face. And I, I guess what, how I would describe it is it just has an innocence about it, about right. especially the children and the characters. It just, it's just a sweet, simple innocence in the way that he illustrates. Uh, and Charlotte's Webb and Stuart Little, Garth mm-hmm. Woods also illustrated those in his, uh, you can kind of see a similar kind of look to the Laura, Laura Ingalls Wilder as Fern on the cover of Charlotte's yes. Web, but he modeled uh, Fern after his daughter. So she was kind of the model for his drawing for that. And then a few others are Cricket and Times Square. Um, some Charlotte Zolito books. Um, she's written mm-hmm. probably, I don't know, maybe 70 picture books. Um, and then also what I just recently made this connection that he illustrated the Russell Hoban books, the Francis books. Like bedtime okay. for Francis, yeah. So I didn't know that. Yes, I know. I, I just I'd always associated it more with his the people that he right. drew, but um, yeah, it was mostly people or animals, so like sweet little pictures of animals. And then if you look him up, you'll find a bunch of uh, what are they called the uh, golden books. Yeah, the animal drawings from golden books. Right. So yeah. Anyway, he's yeah he was. Um, he died in the late nineties, but he was known as an American artist who was kind of drawing and writing in that uh, or drawing in that post-war era and so right. kind of became known then so uh yeah what's another one for you Jamie well we probably shouldn't talk about illustrators and picture books without mentioning Thomas Locker because yeah. he oh, he's on my list, so go for <laughs> it <laughs> yes. Yes. no he he actually um he was an artist and he wanted children to be exposed to great art and that was his intention mm-hmm. and so he um, did several picture books and the, the illustrations, they, they look like Dutch masterpieces. They really yes. do. I mean, they are absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. illustrations and the stories are wonderful too. Um, and of course my mind has gone completely blank. I should have made a list, um, when um, I was doing it, um, the boy the who river, held back the sea, yeah, where the river uh, begins, where the river begins. Yes. And so there are some wonderful books there. Um, if you're looking for, you know, illustrations you can't get any better than Thomas Locker his his are beautiful I always I found what's interesting about his is that it's this beautiful many are like a landscape of some kind and the people are very (laughs) small so yes it's sort of like how you feel when you're in nature that you feel Mm -hmm. sort of small or I do anyway and then it's like you're surrounded by nature and he has a way of capturing that sort of feeling and experience in his paintings yes 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 yeah uh, let's see. I'll mention maybe just a couple more. Um, so I asked my oldest daughter. I said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the podcast talking about illustrations. Like, if you can think of one picture book where the mm-hmm. illustrations just really stand out to you." And she immediately knew. I was I was surprised. She wow. said, "Oh, I love that book called All the Places to Love." Oh yeah, by Patricia yes. McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. And the story. So I, let's see. Oh, and the paintings are by Mike Wimmer, if I'm saying it right. But. Uh, so it, they, yeah, they really do look like more of like a painting. It looks very realistic, but the color and just his ability to capture expression and the sense of home and the, the story is just a wonderful story too, but it's about a fam- basically a family's connection to farm and the farm life and the land and uh, the, there's a child born and the family is trying to to tell the child of like, oh, these are all the, my very favorite places. Um, you know, about our home and what we love about it. And so, yeah, those, anyway, those, those pictures right. are just captivating and really draw you into, to kind of like what we talked about earlier about really, you know, whether it's the farm or the coast or, you know, whatever it is that you may not know, it really draws you into kind of understanding, getting a sense for what it's like. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, I want to mention one of my favorite, um, modern illustrators. Yeah. I think a lot of times when I think about picture books and illustrators, I, I think about the classic picture books. Like we mentioned right. Robert McCloskey mm-hmm. and, you know, of course there are things like, um, Tommy DePaola. I don't know mm-hmm. if I say his name right. And, um, different things like that where we have these classic picture books, Corduroy by Don Friedman and, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But we do have some really fantastic modern, um, artists who are illustrating books now that are, um, 
absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. And one of those that comes to mind right now is um, Jamin Still. I don't know if you're familiar with him at all, but he um, he illustrated a book. Actually, he wrote and illustrated a book called Ellen and the Winter Wolves. And it's a it's a beautiful little book. Mm-hmm. Have you? Yes, it's it's a newer book, and he. She wants to know a reason why the the winter is unnaturally long. And so it goes through that. So it's got some mystery and some adventure and all of these talking animals in it. But the pictures, his art is just so, it just embodies imagination and wonder to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that particular one, he has all these hidden pictures within the pictures. So my boys like to look for the little wolves, the Mm -hmm. pictures and that kind of thing. And so it's also engaging and it kind of gets their attention and gets them, you know, trying to perceive different things within the art, which is really nice. But um, he also did, um, he illustrated the wishes of the fish King by Douglas McKelvey. That's a newer one too. That one just came out this past year. Um, But it's, it's another one by Jamin still. And I, I love, I absolutely love his art. Um, so he's one of the newer ones, a modern one that I would, yeah, I would okay. highly recommend I'll checking, finding up. his yeah, books. Yes, finding his books. And speaking of Douglas McKelvey, that reminds me of another artist. Um, and that's Zach Franson. I'm sure if you know the Green Ember, mm-hmm. you're familiar with Zach Franson. Yes. Um, he illustrated that. But he also just illustrated um, Douglas McKelvey's book, The Angel, New Papa, and the Dog. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but it is a beautiful little book. It's very short. It's good for um, not my son is just now learning to read. He's seven. So he's not quite ready for it yet. But just as you're kind of transitioning from those leveled readers into chapter books, The Angel New Puppet and the Dog is a great um, kind of one of those great transition books. Of course, as an adult, I loved it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Zach Franzen just illustrated that as well. And it's it's absolutely, it's a beautiful book, beautiful illustrations. So I just wanted to mention mention Zach and, and Jamin because, you know, there aren't as many modern ones that I think mm-hmm. we can recommend. Right. Because yeah. a lot of modern artists tend to be more modern in their interpretation of art, <laughs> which mm-hmm. doesn't really necessarily, you know, feed into what we were talking about with the beauty and, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Of course, there are plenty. There are probably way more than I, I give credit for. So mm-hmm. um, if you guys know of more, please let us know because yes, I would definitely. love to, to discover more modern artists mm-hmm. so we can support them and, and that kind of thing. Definitely. Yeah, those are some of my favorites. But. Yes. And on that note, it, it makes me think about Growing up, just thinking like thinking about wanting to be a better artist, I I, I never really got there. <laughs> just had stuck to the reading and didn't really try to draw the illustrations. But um, I think for some reason, as a child, I had this idea that I you know would just I, it was either in me or it wasn't. Um, but I think mm-hmm. as I've kind of gone on a journey of trying to understand that it's really like as Christ talks about imitating him. So we are to imitate, you know, things that are beautiful and good. And so, you know, maybe your child is, uh, you know, intimidated to, if you put like a Rembrandt painting in front of them and say, why don't you try to draw this or something? You know, there might be some kids that are like, okay, great. I'm going to try to copy this. And <laughs> different ones of my kids have been, you know, jumped on that. And others have been, I can't do that. Right, That's right. No <laughs> That's, I'm not even going to try. It's too hard. Um, but we've had a couple things that have helped our, there's been a couple of resources that have helped us. And one is called Drawing with Children. Yes. By Mona Hughes. And mm-hmm. she has a kind of a philosophy of, of learning to draw and kind of with lines and shapes and you continue to add on things. And so that is just her way of teaching. And I know there's different studios across the nation that use her um, her method. And we we had one in town. Unfortunately, it closed. But if you, you know, if you want to find somewhere, you could look up her, look her up and see if she has any studios around where you live. But um, so that's been really helpful to us. And then something kind of with a similar way of teaching is called draw right now. Yes. And it's my seven year old right now is we're working. There's different, there's a whole series of books. We worked through one about Arctic animals and there's one about, I think we're doing one now in the forests. And so uh-huh. it's just maybe, I think it's like, you know, what is it like a four to six step uh, right. process? And it's amazing what the product, you know, what they turned out. to. I think he's just been doing, what did he do? Uh, <laughs> like a crab or, you know, and right. um, you just add a line or add a shape and right. then all of a sudden they have, you know, something that looks fairly realistic. But I think just the small steps helps them in their confidence and they can just imitate that one line or that one. Right. And then they come out and think, okay, I can, 
you know, draw a dolphin or right. have you had experience with these with your yeah, kids? I have actually, we, we do have drawing with children, but I started with the draw right now mm-hmm. and they're really young. So we just yes. started and my sons were so excited when they drew that chicken in the very first book. I don't know if you remember I don't know that. If we like, have that one. <laughs> The, the very first book is very simple okay. and it's farm farm animals. Okay. So there's like a chicken and a pig mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they drew it because most of the time my boys are drawing like, you know, TIE fighters and spaceships and yeah. all this <laughs> stuff, right. race cars, race tracks with all the different cars around it and stuff, you know. So they, they've never attempted like an animal or, mm-hmm. you know, very even rarely a person at this point. Right, They're still right. very much into vehicles, yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they drew the chicken and they were so thrilled that they were able to draw the chicken. <laughs> so I, I highly recommend those as well. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Well, we need to close. We're getting long on our time. <laughs> Jamie, do you have any final thoughts? No, I just, I'm just passionate about, about illustrations and it's just, it's a hobby of mine now. I, I collect beautiful picture books. I, mm-hmm. I can't get enough of them and I, I love them just as much as my kids do. So I just want yeah. to encourage everybody to get to the library and, you know, find some of those old classic picture books. The Caldecott medalists are, are really mm-hmm. a good place to start. There That's are right. a few misses there, that, you know, modern, mm-hmm. some of the modern ones are mm-hmm. a few misses, but most by and large, they're a great place to start. So you can just search out the, the Caldecott winners and find some really, really excellent um, picture books with beautiful illustrations. Yes. And often, just like a writer, an illustrator, if you find something they've illustrated, you know, you're likely to find this whole treasure trove of other great things. Yes. So sometimes you feel like, oh, it's I found one book, but what's another one? And so that is sort of a way of kind of discovering, you know, maybe 10 more if you find one, right. you know, one illustrator that's really wonderful. So I was I was like that with N.C. Wythe. I don't know if he's, is he with or Wythe, N.C. Wythe, or I'm not, I'm not sure. sure how you say it. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's a beautiful artist. And he, he did so many books, like so many Robert Louis Stevenson books books and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And so I found one of his. And then after that, I've been trying to find as many as I can and collect them for my boys because a lot of his are very, um, you know, adventurous. They're very swashbuckling mm-hmm. you know, pirates pictures uh-huh. and stuff like that, which is really great for my boys. So I'm trying to find as many of those. So I agree. Like once you find one, just keep collecting them mm-hmm. because you're going to find a treasure trove. Yes. That's yes. awesome. Well, thanks for chatting with me, Jamie. And yeah, it was fun. I look forward to the next time. You too. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to check out our website at storyform.com for show notes and like us on our Storyform Facebook page and follow us at Storyformed Home on Instagram. Please rate us on iTunes and leave a comment so that others can find out about us too. May you and your family be story formed. <laughs>